Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. So this is the season of Advent, and our theme this this year is around Christmas cards, um, because we're reading through the Bible and we had come to the letters, and it seemed appropriate to tie into the letters that we get around Christmas. Um, And last week we talked about peace. We also have these four words that we usually work with in Advent, peace, hope, joy, and love. And um, last week we talked about peace, which is actually how Paul opens most of his letters. Um, today we are going to talk about hope, which is so much of what the body of the letters um, is made up of. It's sharing this story with us and finding the hope within it. And like we did last week, we're going to talk a little bit about the ambiguity of hope sometimes in this season, about how it is um, kind of a two-places uh, experience. So with that in mind, uh, I'm going to read from Second Thessalonians Chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. So hear now the word of the Lord. But we always must thank God for you, brothers and sisters, who are loved by God. This is because he chose you from the beginning to be the first crop of the harvest. This brought salvation through your dedication to God by the Spirit and through your belief in the truth. God called all of you through our good news so you could possess the honor of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold on to the traditions we taught you, whether we taught you in person or through our letter. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father loved us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and a good hope. May he encourage your hearts and give you strength in every good thing you do or say. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes, that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So, every year this time of year, my dad would love to tell me this story. And it was the story of a family who was raising two boys, one who was an optimist and one who was a pessimist. And the parents went to uh, someone that they trusted, someone who had wisdom and how to raise children, and, and went to them and said, listen, we do not know what to do. No matter what we do, we have this one child who sees everything in a negative light, and then we have one child who sees everything in a positive light. And we think they both need a little bit more balance, but we can't figure out how to, how to help them understand that. And so this wise person said, I'll tell you what you do. Christmas is coming up. For your pessimist, buy them everything they could possibly want. Every possible wish that they have, whatever gift they might even conceive of wanting, go and buy that and make and give them all of those presents for Christmas Day so that they have absolutely nothing to complain about. As for the one who always sees the optimism in everything, fill your yard with manure. And give them the manure. So, Christmas morning comes and the parents wake up. The boys have been up ahead of them. Not a surprise, right on Christmas morning. And they find their pessimistic son sitting in the middle of all of the Christmas presents, weeping. 
And they said, son, son, how can you possibly be upset? You have everything you could possibly want. And the son said, I don't know which one to open first. (laughs) Then they found their optimistic son outside in the yard, digging and laughing and having so much fun. And they said, son, what are you doing? This is a pile of manure. And he said, I know, mom and dad, but with all this manure, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. Now, I always loved for my dad to tell me that story. And and one of the things that it did besides make me laugh, as it did all of you, is that it taught me that some will always feel hopeless, even in ideal situations. And some will always have hope, even in the worst conditions. Now, I've been thinking about whether hope is a good thing. There's been a couple of things that I've been reflecting on to make me think about that. One was yesterday's headline. It came across my phone um, about the U.S. men in the World Cup. You know, they lost their game yesterday. And the headline read, in the end, it's the hope that kills us all. All right? Merry Christmas. But I also was reflecting on, as a student of literature, I have frequently had to study the, the myths of ancient Greece. And one of the very famous myths is the, myths, uh, the myth of Pandora's jar. You might have heard of it as Pandora's box, but actually in translation, jar is a little bit more accurate. And this idea that Pandora was given this jar to be a guardian of for all of humanity, um, but she just was so curious as to what was in the jar that she had to open it up. So she opens it, and out of this escapes love and freedom and, and, and all of these things that then unleash evil into the world. And, and really quickly she realizes what she has done, and she slams the jar closed. But everything had escaped except hope. And that's always where people end that story. And I have spent much of my time as a scholar of literature wondering, was it a good thing that hope didn't escape or a bad thing that hope didn't escape? Because it seems to me that love did make it into the world. So if hope was still in the jar, is it not in the world? Or was it saying that all of these evils were unleashed, but at least we got to hold on to hope? And I don't know. I've never seen a good, clear interpretation that helps me know which way it is. So I've been thinking about hope, and I think hope is a very good thing if we hope in something that can be trusted. So I'm going to give you an illustration of this. Um, Last week, actually, thank goodness, I decided I wanted to go work out. Um, because I went down to my car to start my car and the battery was dead. Which thankfully I did that Saturday night instead of Sunday morning. It would have been a much bigger panic if it had been Sunday morning. Um, but I have roadside assistance on my phone. So I call roadside assistance and tell them that I need someone to come out and start my car. And then every 15 minutes I, st- I get a text that says, they're on their way, they'll be there in 15 minutes. And then that 15 minutes ago, I'm going to get another text. They're on their way. They'll be there in 15 minutes. And after, honest to goodness, an hour of that, they also had given me the number of the tow company. And I called the tow company 
and they announced, you know, opened with their name. And I didn't even start with like, hello, how are you? I just went, I just need an accurate time. I just need to know when you're coming. And and he just goes right along with me and says, I know you're getting the text messages. Don't pay any attention to the text messages. What's the information on your car? And then he looks it up and he goes, we'll be there in 25 minutes. That's, we will be there in 25 minutes. And I said, that's it. That's all I needed to know. He goes, just ignore the text messages. Thank God. Because the text messages were false hope. They were not something that I could be, that I could trust. But when I talked to the actual man who was sending the tow truck out, he told me what time it would be. And that was something that I could trust. The, the Thessalonians are caught in this question of how trustworthy is their hope. Now, for those of you that have been reading along, we read 1 Thessalonians, and in 1 Thessalonians, that is, we believe, the earliest writing in the New Testament. It was probably written around 50 or 51. And in that time, they were still very sure Jesus was coming back any minute now. Any minute now, Jesus is coming back. And they're living their lives like that, which has caused them some concern because some people have died. And they they thought that Jesus was going to come back before any of them had died. And so they have this question, what happens to those that have died? And they get the reassurance from Paul that says, no, it's okay. Actually, when Jesus comes back, Jesus is going to bring them back ahead of us. So it's going to be all good. No worries. We can trust in that. We have, we have faith in the resurrection. We know that this will happen. Second Thessalonians may be one of the oldest writings of the New Testament. Many years have gone by. Probably 30 years have passed. And so they're really frustrated now, and they're angry, and they're being persecuted by Rome. And in the midst of these persecutions, Jesus still hasn't come back. And yet, they still trust in the message. They still have the hope. They just acknowledge that their timetable's a little off. And instead, what they need to look Toward is that eternal hope that they will all have, no matter how their life unfolds from here, no matter when Jesus comes back, it doesn't matter, but they can still have hope in this moment because they have promised eternal hope in being that first fruit of people that will be not only the carriers of the good news, but will be the ones that will be resurrected. They have this eternal promise and good hope. They just needed a more accurate time frame. Both of these letters are part of apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic literature writes about a time in which a community is under stress and strain and facing a lot of times persecution. And... In apocalyptic literature, the thing that defines it is this unbending, unwavering hope. No matter how dark the circumstances seem, there's still that hope. There's still that promise that God will prevail, that we will all know life. 
There's a parallel, not just in my roadside assistance story, but there was a parallel for all of us. We went through an apocalypse. We're still dealing with some of the side effects of it, right? What we went through with COVID was a worldwide apocalypse. And it's still overturning systems as a result. And y'all remember the early days of the pandemic when we were all baking bread and enjoying our couple of weeks off work? And we were just sure, you know, by we'll be back in church by Easter or Pentecost or Fourth of July or whenever school starts back or never. <laughs> right? We reached we on the you know, as we got deeper into it, we got a little bit a little bit more pessimistic, right? But in the midst of that we still knew. He still knew that Jesus was with us. And that is, that is foundational to Christian hope. That is what Christian hope is. And that is in many ways what this season is about. It's about that, that waiting, that, um, preparation for, for Jesus Christ to be real in our lives. And for me, Advent is both a was, is, and a yet to come moment. It is a was moment in that we are sharing the story of what happened in the first century of Jesus being born into uh, this world and revolutionizing faith. That was a was moment. But there's also an is moment. Because every year in Advent, I hope that you are expecting to encounter Jesus Christ. That is my great hope for you. That you expect that something about this season, as busy as it gets, as stressful as it can be, as chaotic as it can be, that you will find a moment in which you feel the presence of Jesus Christ. It may be Christmas Eve with a candle in your hand singing Silent Night. It may be watching your grandkids open a gift that they are excited to receive and you feel the powerful presence of love in the room. It may be that quiet prayer that you offer up for your loved ones who have passed on and yet you feel them with you because you know that hope. And that's the yet-to-come hope. Yes, it's interesting that Revelation shows up in in our lectionary because we are also in this season preparing for that final coming of Jesus Christ. We are preparing for that and we are standing on the hope, even though it's even though it's Christmas, we're standing on the hope in the resurrection. The hope that God will make all things new. The hope that there will be no more mourning and no more tears. We are looking for that day in this season as well. And I will tell you, that is most often where I see the reality of hope lived out. Is when I sit with families who have lost someone they love. There is a stark difference sitting with those who have faith in Jesus Christ. They feel the pain They feel the loss, but they also have a peace about them because they have that hope that this is not the end, that there is more yet to come. As opposed to when I sit with families that don't have that hope and feel lost and have questions and want me to be able to tell them what exactly the afterlife is like. Or is there one? 
and the grief there. It's painful. It's painful. And so, my friends, I encourage you to seek that hope. And I encourage you to carry that hope to others that maybe don't know that hope. Because I will tell you this, it's hope that gets us through worldwide apocalypses, even if we have to keep moving our time frame. And it's hope that carries us through those personal apocalypses, those losses that we think we cannot survive. Hope carries us through. Because, my friends, it is not the hope that kills us. It is the hope that brings us to life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.